Sports Joe presents House of Rugby. Together with Heineken. Get the facts. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby with thanks to Heineken. My name is Maud Thrasnirul and I'm delighted to be joined this week by Senen Iopu and Johnny Murphy to look back on Ireland's epic win against the reigning champions on Saturday night and we'll chat through the other big results from round three of the Rugby World Cup as well. But first of all, how are we doing? Uh, yeah, still not the better of uh, Saturday <laughs> I know evening. my heart. But, um, but uh, yeah, look, it's, it was great. Yesterday was uh, was a long day in terms of just kind of getting over the, the anxiety of what was uh, <laughs> okay. sa- uh, Saturday evening. But uh, yeah, it was great performance um, and one, you know, potentially one for the purest, but they really kind of grinded out. And um, yeah, it was. it's great that they, they got it in the bag and they move on. Yeah, it was billed as the game of the tournament and it certainly lived up to expectations. Sene, you were one of the lucky ones who was there in the stadium on Saturday night. Talk to us about the occasion itself. Oh, it was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the last few years, everyone has been looking forward to this game and um, you would have heard in various sources of um, you know media clips where you know Andy and the whole team have just acknowledged that this was the game that they had targeted in a sense so it really lived up to the occasion um, huge privilege to to be there wonderful wonderful uh, DJ at the end there as well I didn't quite catch really his name to give him a going. shout out but yeah. Um, yeah everything about that day I think was just such um, a wonderful occasion I think for the country but also for South Africa as well it was um, I, I suppose a testament to themselves the way that they were able to still engage with the fans after the game uh, both teams were just so it, it was just it, it was just absolutely wonderful to see um, and then obviously a, a wonderful occasion for for Bundy who's a, mm. a dear friend of ours and um, you know kind of like a uh, another brother to me mm. so that was a wonderful occasion for his 50th as well to get um, absolutely play of the match mm. was it one of the best atmospheres you've experienced at a rugby game 100%. Yeah. I've been very, very grateful throughout the year to um, be involved and be, you know, as a fan and spectator and support our commercial partners as well with the Six Nations and EPCR and um, URC and a number of those competitions, regional comps. But this is obviously the pinnacle and it really was a pinnacle weekend. So um, everyone at the stadium and obviously everyone in Ireland and all of the Irish around the world and even if they weren't Irish around the world were, um, you know, talking about that game, still talking about that game. It was said that there was 30,000 Irish there. It felt like there was a lot more on the television. I don't know what it felt like in the stadium, but what sort of a lift does that give a team when they're up against it? Like when when it wasn't going Ireland's way, you could hear the support, you could hear the fields of Athenry and you could really feel it. That's what the players are saying. They could feel it on the pitch. It, it probably felt for them like a home stadium. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think probably the whole game is summed up in one clip that was on social media. There's a South African fan that um, Fields of Athenry is being sung and he's actually doing everything he can not to sing. <laughs> and at the very end, there's this huge roar and he has this smile on his face. And you're kind of going, That's, that kind of summed up the atmosphere for, for what it was for, for us watching from home. Um, it just gave them, it, it, it does, it is like a 16th man. And I just think, I was talking to a few people that were there. They said they've never experienced anything like it as well before um so yeah one that uh yeah, good to have not been there, but um, yeah, I was watching from behind the couch for probably about 60 <laughs> Through minutes. Through your fingers yeah, like yeah. the rest um, of us. But uh, yeah, just an incredible occasion and one that 
will go down but they were very clear after that you know that's just one step on the journey mm-hmm. and and on they move if I heard oh well that's just four points and and on we go that seemed to be the theme of what what the uh, post-match press conference was and 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 on the roll exactly because I suppose for for us looking this was the start of the World Cup for Ireland no disrespect to Tonga and Romania but they were like extended warm-up games but this is the one everyone spoke about the pressure they must have felt going into that game they didn't let on because of the message from the Irish camp that they were sticking to their guns they knew what they wanted to do they were sticking to the game plan a lot of talk of this 7-1 split of the bench and all of that they weren't going to change what they've been doing up until now and they certainly delivered on the biggest stage. Oh, I think it's remarkable from a, like I can only imagine how, um, not tricky isn't the word, but how much it takes as a player to be in that environment and to be focused on the process and in that moment. And it's a testament, I suppose, to the other two, three cycles that um, Johnny often alludes to in terms of the invaluable lessons I've learnt out of those in terms of really utilising that into this and using everything they have possible in and around the environment and on and off the pitch, you know, mental skills, those sorts of things, um, to really ensure that, I know you mentioned Romania and Tonga with extended warm-up games, but certainly for, you know, the Irish team, they didn't think that at mm-hmm. all. You know, they went in full noise in every single game. And similarly to obviously South Africa, um, full noise again and then again, um, celebrating that moment for what it was, absolutely outstanding and very extraordinary. Mm. And something that um they deserved as a team. And then we deserved as a country. And the world deserved as a nation as a country that uh, has the privilege of watching a World Cup which is unbelievable. So it was actually it was just such a wonderful thing in general for the world of rugby. But um, I love that they're just focused on Scotland now. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of days mm-hmm. left with the family and and then, you know, they assemble Wednesday night, I think it is, this mm-hmm. this week in Paris, and then, you know, it's just sort of focus or all, all, all eyes on Scotland. So I love that that's where the mindset is and no one's getting carried away with anything. But at the same time, it was really important for all of us to mm-hmm. celebrate that. Mm-hmm. That is such a wonderful achievement. So, like, I just thank you to the lads in South Africa mm-hmm. for giving us that moment because it's actually a key step in the mm-hmm. next big step, which is Scotland. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because they'll be looking at this, as you said, as a, a pool game. They got the points that were on mm-hmm. offer, but... It felt much, much bigger than that, Johnny. It was a statement win. It was. And I think, you know, everyone, when they look, when the draw came out and then obviously with the, you know, the form of all those, you know, those sides on this side of the group in Ireland, you know, New Zealand, what South Africa did to New Zealand, you know, pre-World Cup, um, you know, France's form, everything has been focused around kind of those top four sides in the world. And um, I think this was a, a real, as you said, a real statement performance um, because it wasn't as clinical as they would have liked in any way, shape or form, but they found a way and, um, you know, they got it done. And I think that's that's what's going to need to happen. They're they're at the halfway stage in reality. They have a break. The schedule really suits them. You know, there's guys gone to kind of Euro Disney with their families already, which is brilliant to see. They've, you know, this three, four day block is going to be, it's going to crown them. And then they're hopefully going kind of four four weeks on the trot from then on. So, um, 
I think, um, yeah, it was very much a, a, a statement win, but not in the manner that they probably would have liked. But I think that adds another string to their bow because they can win a game where at times it's hanging on a knife edge. When they're not playing at their best. When they're not playing Mm -hmm. at their best and their accuracy levels are not where they need to be. And I think that just proves that, you know, they're proper, proper contenders now. How will he analyse this performance now that the dust has settled a bit? I was just going to say, like, what just comes to your question as well. Imagine beating the current world champions and not playing your best. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, South Africa missed 11 points, left two tries in the first half, close to the line. Unbelievable defensive reads from Ireland. Second half then, mm. left two two tries again, close mm-hmm. to the, the, the try line. So that's four. There's 20 points, you know, if not more. Um, like, you know, at the end of the day, no game is ever going to be perfect. And um, the beautiful thing about that is you know, they'll, they'll focus on the next game, um, only small tweaks to make really mm. in terms of the, um, you know, the systems that our line-out callers and, and jumpers and Well, they did have. misfire at the line-out. They yeah. lost the first four, but I suppose one of the big things is the heads didn't drop. They lost five in the first 20 minutes, but they were able to turn it around. But definitely they're the work-ons that they would be focusing on. And they were bullied at times in the scrum as well. Did you see anything that isn't fixable or anything that would concern you? Uh, not really, I think. Two backs here now. Yeah, but I think as I kind of said, as has already alluded to, the opportunity to improve is massive because, you know, 50% of your line outs, uh, they had, I think, two or three scrum penalties. Um, and I think that, that those opportunities to improve are what they're going to focus on over the next kind of, um, you know, 10 days um, in, in when they get back into camp. But as a coach, everything is fixable. Um, you know, they have um, seen what def- probably the best defensive line out in the world is like, gone up against it. Um, we just hope that, you know, this could hopefully be a final where t- the two those two teams go at it properly and they're both mm-hmm. execute- executing at their highest level um, because I think that would be a game that everyone in world rugby wants to see. Um, but from a coaching perspective, they have... You look for a couple of non-negotiables um, and, you know, Paul would have always, when we played with him, would have been always big on those one percenters and those talentless tasks that that he talks about, those tasks that just require getting up off the ground, no no talent required whatsoever. They won all those battles. They were quicker to their feet. Um, you know, they clung on to defensive tackles literally by, the, by their fingernails and that's that's massive. The talent, they know they have the talent that they can execute at the highest level because they've proved it time and time again over the last 18 months. When they get rocking at line-out time and get into their phase play, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. Yeah, you mentioned the defence there and a lot of talk has been about South Africa's defence, their blitz defence. They have one of the best defensive systems in the world, but Ireland will be very happy with their performance when it comes to defending the line and the box threw everything at them. But like Johnny said, they were so quick off the ground every time. And when they had nothing left to give, they gave it. Honestly, I could watch the fluidity of the um, the way that um, Ireland defend all day long. And what I mean by fluidity is when you make the, they win the collision first and foremost. So they make that dominant hit and it makes it easier for the fold to go around. But you just watch how seamless that is. It's absolutely unbelievable. Just 
Um, obviously, they don't get it right every time because when you do make the gain line, you naturally retract back as a defensive shape. But most of the time, percentage-wise, it's quite high for Ireland as a defensive team. But when they do win the collision, it makes it easier for that sort of fluidity around the breakdown. Mm -hmm. They all come up and then close off that space for South Africa. And that in itself was just a sight to see, you know, your yeah. Gary Ringroses coming out on the outside because he knew that the inside guys would be there so he can afford to go shoot right up on the on the high. Um, and then you're sort of got your inside guys, uh, you got from your breakdown, one, two, three, and they can push right up onto that first receiver. Were you able to see anything different or from being in the stadium that we wouldn't have seen on television, any players working off the ball or things like that? You always see the the back three. I, I'm always fascinated by the back three and how the attack see where the space is based on the back three as well. Because in this day and age, the defensive line close right up. So the options on attack are either your dinks over top or far in the corner or down straight, or you will have to just carry the ball. So I'm always fascinated at the dynamic of your Hugos. Lowy was absolutely outstanding. Lowy was, uh, James Lowe, sorry, um, and obviously Matt Hansen as well. But the way that they move and work with uh, Jameson Gibson Park as a nine and the system that Ireland has where Jameson is in the position that he is, he comes from the inside and then out to the wings. So the way that that works and then the transition is something special to see. I'm not sure if people will notice that, but a lot of the time uh, when Ireland are scoring their tries, they're excellent, obviously, at set-piece execution, scoring unstructured defence. Mm. But in unstructured defence, on a transition uh, defensive positioning like that, like game over if uh, you know they execute against uh, Scotland. Well, Andy Farrell was asked about the inaccuracies in the set-piece at the start of the game when he spoke to the media after the game, and this is what he had to say. Well, again... Um uh, that's 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 the quality of the Springboks. Um, that's the quality of the opposition that's got to be coming. Um, uh, the, the more that we're able to stay in this competition and keep moving on, so but keeping ourselves um, on track mentally and, and and staying at it was was absolutely the key. And you know, I thought our, our discipline certainly um, in the in in the second half was was very good with it within the lineout and. Um, you know, it was roles reverse, wasn't it? In regards to the penalty, the the early engage from South Africa and the, and the penalty that we got on on the line for us to keep the goal. So um, again, we 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 stayed at it um, mentally and um, rolled with the punches, as you as you say. But came out came out strong the other side as well. Yeah, they definitely rolled with the punches. And as we were saying, it's a sign of a great team that they're able to win when not playing at their best and they won't rest on their laurels now. No, not at all. And I, I think that um, it just gives them an opportunity that they've something clearly to focus on in terms of, um, you know, their individual and collective improvements um, at set piece. And then I'd say they probably felt they missed a couple of things, particularly when they got some turnovers and that transition, you know, in the first half. Um, Burn probably for, forces a pass over the top to Keelan Doris. Those little kind of things where they're a bit anxious and trying to create a bit of momentum. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they got that r right in the second half. Um, and I just think that, um, you know, their their mental capacity and their mental fortitude to deal with all mm -hmm. of those uh, mistakes just keep going. And Pete, get, Peter Manny getting that uh, turnover at line-out time, getting up in front of Etzabeth, um, you know, getting that line-out in the 22, you know, uh, 
James Lowe, we've already mentioned him, putting in that hit towards the end before Edsbeck goes off and holding up, getting that scrum, um, you know, for a mall there. It's just incredible. But they just stuck to their process. They clearly have incredible belief in what they're trying mm. to do. And they they just believe if they keep going, the scoreboard will look after itself. Quite cliched, but very hard to stick to in what in the cauldron that was Saturday evening. Exactly. And I suppose when it comes to tactics as well, they weren't going to change anything. A lot was talked about when we mentioned earlier about the 7-1 split on the bench. But Ireland have never picked a 6-2 split under Andy Farrell. He wasn't going to change now. They were going to stick to their guns. And it shows, as Johnny said there, the character of this team, that they were able to stick with the approach that they had practised time and time again and that had worked out for them. Was a blockbuster destruction during the week that seven one wasn't it? But um, yeah, of course. Like as John, you alluded to the process. It was all about you know in terms of what they had been training for for this moment. Like so that that week was just it, the last game was mm-hmm. excellent to see it all unfold and their plan work. You know to to what they'd worked so hard for, and it's incredible to see the world-class DNA, obviously, of the Irish players and the way that the guys have come together, but they must be incredibly fit, not just mentally fit, but that level of consistency across a tournament like this and the level of consistency across the 80 minutes. And, I mean, we spoke about... With no injuries as well. With no injuries as well. And we spoke about not being their best. Well, they played the best in the world. as in the world champs. And so in in terms of that pressure, you know, they played like that, for example, against uh, Scotland and... You know, the, the, the score, there's probably going to be a bit of a gap, maybe. But, um, yeah, there's just – I'm actually just – I'm genuinely in awe just from a level of appreciation of being a player in that environment, mm-hmm. like fair play. And I think that, you know, the bench, their uh, capacity to get in and get into the fire – get into the fire line straight away, there was no acclimatisation at all. Um, you look at Finley Bealham, he was straight in. He was rock solid at scrum time when he came on. Um, you look at uh, Conor Murray, you know, Murray, when he he gets that penalty for Ireland yeah. with his he experience. Was so calm, so Just composed. calm, just had complete influence mm-hmm. over the game. He's smart at that penalty last, not to throw the ball in straight away. When Ireland are probably, the momentum is in Ireland's favour there because they've gone, they've got a turnover. Byrne has kicked the ball up. They've got that chance. There could be, a, let's go, let's go, let's go. He's just yeah. so calm. Let's, the, let's them engage and, that, and, and push early penalty. That's the game. Um, and it just, um, they, you know, they all they, made an impact. They yes. all added to the game. Yeah, hugely. And that, I suppose, was something that was probably in the backs of their minds mentally because, you know, as we said already, the the distraction that the distraction that the seven one split had caused throughout the week mm-hmm. and talking about the bomb squad and all yeah. of that. I'd say the Irish lads were like, "Well, hold on a second. We'll have let's we'll do something here." Um, like even Jack. Um, you know, like dropping back for the drop goal for that scrum. Like people are saying, oh, we got a bit of luck there because it's blocked down. That was a sweetly struck drop goal. That was going over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're still in the same position there. They have to hold out. Okay, they get an extra minute because it's, you know, a minute and a half because it's a scrum then penalty. But like he came on and he was like, okay, I'm going to win this game. Yeah. I'm going to knock over this drop goal and then we're going to close it out. You know, like that's just incredible. It's It really is. I think our bench was was so good coming up. And, and he, Andy got the combinations beautifully as well. Mm. I thought Jake Crowley was, 
relaxed because he had Connor outside him and he's obviously used to playing with Connor and mm. those might seem small but it's huge and it meant Connor could be that kind of leader in the game managers mm. of the inside backs. Mm. The players seem more comfortable and we've mentioned their character in adapting to situations and Paul O'Connell mentioned this in the press conference leading up to the game that he said the onus was on the players to read the game, to make changes when it came to it, when it came to crunch time. And it just shows the resilience that these players have. And that was one of the first words that came out of Andy Farrell's mouth in the press conferences after the game was resilience. He was so proud of the resilience this team showed. And a lot of work has been done on the mental side of the game. Gary Keegan has been mentioned a lot. Um, he's the performance coach in there. How important is that to practically put into practice when you're in the thick of it? Uh, massive and I think you know I would have used sports psychs throughout my career um, it's very much you know they give you cues um, you know and there there's individual cues and collective cues that's to bring you get to, to bring you back down but then also to to go up you see what they're doing with their breathing at the moment they're not the only team in world rugby that that's doing this New Zealand have been using it for years um, probably comes from an army background in terms of you know those elite special forces that are able to kind of connect through breath in dark situations where they can move forward. It's pretty dark at times yeah, against and, South Africa. And, and I think that just grounds everyone. It gets the collective back together um, and it's huge, you know, and then you'll see that different players will have different individual cues. Some of them won't tell you what they are, but they have them, be it, you know, I used to use my, my left sock. So preparation would have started on my left and moved forward up. And if I made a mistake, I dropped my sock breathe, reset, your feet are back in the game. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of phraseology around kind of being big at the moment, which is just get back in game, back in game. And I think that's, um, you know, if you can have that philosophy of being big, it, it, it not just comes from physical, but also mental that your approach is, right, regardless of what's just happened, I'm back in the game straight away, back in the game. And you look at the mistakes that were made, um, line out time, we've already uh, talked about that, Tyg Byrne, you know, gives away two penalties mm -hmm. that are probably, you know, they're on the silly side one, particularly at mall time when he changes his bind. But he's the one that stops them all in the last minute. He gets in good position, doesn't change his bind and forces, um, you know, the ball, the mall obviously collapses and, and we win the game. So it just shows you the individual preparation, how good that is and the ability for someone like that just to, okay, well, that's gone. This is what I need to do mm -hmm. and I know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's incredible. It's always on to the next thing, isn't it, Sene? What has your experience been like working with sports psychologists and the importance of it? Yeah, and Ken Hodge and a lot of researchers have, have always said this for a number of years and a lot of elite teams use it and it's basically that high performance in sport is 90% mental and 10% mm -hmm. physical. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's one of the... Key things that is obviously keeping the the team focused and onto the next job, but um, yeah, uh, we've used mental skills coach for coaches for a number of years, probably over twenty years of my in my career, and um, it's it's you know in the women's program there's a an investment in some mental skills coaches there as well and uh, performance support in that respect. So it's the same as the men, um, especially in campaigns like a World Cup where it's. Um, it's nothing like you'd ever experience unless you're a player and a coach in that environment. And um, 
yeah, that's why I'm just it's quite fascinating to yeah. to watch from the outside and see how it's it's really impressive. I think it's incredibly impressive the way that the Ireland men are carrying themselves. Physically and emotionally, what will a performance like that take out of the team? Now, we know the break has come at the right time for Ireland. We're very lucky the way it has fallen. It would have been a very different week had we lost and that they're building up to Scotland on the back of a defeat. But how much will that take out of them? Oh, your energy levels will be sapped physically. Uh, mentally, it'll be a lot easier to get yourself back together physically because it's after a win, um, but it's draining. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I've already said it, the, the break is perfect for them. Um, it gives them an opportunity to completely switch off um, and build themselves back up with with their loved ones, their family. Their, you know, there's a lot of kids gone out um, and it just allows them just completely switch off which is very much needed. And I think historically for Ireland in um, in World Cups, um, you know, we've had these victories before, be it Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, in, in, in 2011. That, you know, the the height of that then you're straight back into another game there's no chance to against France as well it's to go up and then to be able you know what goes up has to come down Mm -hmm. and it's to be able to then restart from the ground and go on it's very hard to to do that as um, Sam has already said in terms of that kind of heartbeat momentum to go up back down and start all over again a lot of teams while they get unstuck is they go up they come halfway down and then try to go back up again and that's mentally mentally draining so um yeah, I think, but we're in a in a really good spot, and now they have to back up this performance that we've had historically. Um, and if they do that against Scotland, I think it's it, it's going to be it's going to be a really really enjoyable four weeks for everyone. Sixteen wins in a row now for Ireland. What will this do for the belief of the players that they have that win against the reigning champions under their belt? So, to be brutally honest, I honestly think. That they've acknowledged that they won, they they beat the current world champs, mm-hmm. but I genuinely think they're literally focused on the next job mm. right now. Like as in, but in terms of say what you're saying, obviously morale will be positive and strong and good, and it's probably good that they made some mistakes. It's probably the best thing for them yeah. as a squad that they just um, had that to sharpen the saw for the next game. I'd like to see. Um, a few changes come in just to, you know, freshen the load, especially in the front row as well. Um, someone like oh, Andrew Porter was outstanding in that game. So, you know, whether he needs to have a, just a, a break at the start of the game, mm-hmm. someone like Finley Bealham to come in at the front row. Jack Conan, maybe. Jack Conan in the back row as well was an option. And um, in the centres, you've got Henshaw, who's also available and, you know, could could easily have a have a start without making a dent in any of the performance outcomes. Would you be worried about making too many changes? I'd be conscious of who the ten is, uh, the out half on the bench. I would be conscious of who is brought in there out of Jack Crowley or um, yeah, Ross, Ross Byrne. Byrne. Out of those two, I'd be really conscious to see who of those two would make that squad against Scotland. To be honest, do you feel like changes need to be made to keep the energy up, uh, well, to I freshen think, things? Uh, yeah, and I think the guys who are coming back in now, you know, like there's probably it's probably worthwhile having, um, you know, someone like Jimmy O'Brien involved just in terms of his versatility and what what he covers. You know, having him at 23 allows you um, probably be a bit more versatile on the bench. Um, but I think whoever you pick. For me, I I wouldn't worry too much about uh, about too many changes because 
when you sit down to pick the 23 out of the 33 that are out there, you can make a case for more or less everyone. Um, And um, yeah, like you look at, you know, how Murr played when he came off the bench. Does he start, you know, you're changing Mm -hmm. or, you you know, there's so many different um, arguments for every player. So it's very hard to kind of um, to, to pick that. But I do think it's important that guys get enough game time that they're that if they're asked on, on to come on very early in the in the hopefully in the quarter final that they don't mm-hmm. gas themselves so that there is enough match fitness across particularly those front row guys that they're able to step up you would imagine regardless of how Ronan uh, Keller played this weekend Dan Sheen was probably going to start against Scotland yeah. anyway for that reason you know get his fitness back up and his game you know where he need you know, get his kind of match fitness um up to a full 80 minutes um, or in his position full 60 because that's really probably all he's going to do anyway so um, yeah I'd say I would expect potentially up to four or five changes maybe um, but when you see it people just go oh yeah well okay I get that yeah, yes, you know yeah, it's not yeah. a, well, all of it makes sense yeah yeah, yeah in Andy yeah. we trust yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought Henderson was absolutely outstanding mm. when he came in the detail of his leg drive mm. and the way he just cleared that um, initial breakdown that actually kicked off the momentum of us eventually getting the penalty was unbelievable and uh, I imagine maybe a consideration maybe in the second row whether he has an opportunity to start and whether it suits their game plan that's the other thing is and whether their strategy and tactic for the game plan against a team like Scotland is obviously their threat to Finn Russell and in our half position mm-hmm. who are their open side flank is going to be um, you know who's the who's going to be the, the side of the scrum to sort of take that side 10, 12, um, 13 but um, I actually I, I also hope I know he probably needs a rest Bundy but mm-hmm. I also hope he does get a game here I think he's um on a trajectory, a momentum player. Mm-hmm. He's 100% on a trajectory in this mm-hmm. campaign, and um, game by game, we're seeing the best of him. And and in credit to the boys around him as well, mm-hmm. and the environment he's in, he's able to thrive. So I think uh, if he continues this momentum as a player, and then just what he does as well in the environment, his energy in general. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a good shot of uh, making play of the tournament if he keeps going. Absolutely. Game by game, though. Game yeah. by game. Well, after such an attritional game, both mentally and physically, Andy Farrell was asked by the media after the game on Saturday night what he hopes to do to ensure that they can take it to another level as the tournament progresses. I think as the competition goes on, we, we'll, we'll, we'll need to be better because, um, you know, there's a, a few bits of inaccuracies but there's always going to be that type of that type of thing with um with games like this especially with the pressure that South Africa put on you but um we we again was was uh, was able to, to to find a way and when you say you know it was a an emotional game and you know how do we bottle that we've we've got very good at not not getting to too emotional and make, making sure that we 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 stay on task. So getting the game in like that within the pool stage is is, is great for us. Yeah, always with the message staying on task. They're looking after their own camp. But touching on the Springboks before we move on to other results, we haven't seen the end of them, of course. And had they kicked some of those kicks that went astray, they left 11 points out there, it would be a completely different story today. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think kind of there's a bit of a I suppose 
a bit of a token in that that you know if our line out had functioned as well um, and people are saying that you know the referee missed a couple of things and we got the rub of the green but you know for their try um, they're probably going to score anyway Mac Hansen get, gets uh, kind of taken off the ball their players in front of the ball you can't get the ball you can't get the ball from front so you're offside so okay they still had a three on one overlap that they probably would execute anyway again for Burns kick uh, leading up to the um uh, leading up just to before the penalty Hansen gets taken out off the ball in a in a kick chase situation so there's kind of I, I think it's very much 50-50 um, what I was surprised at and what worried me was their um as they got later into the game, they tried. They were trying to move the ball a lot more, uh, get their back back three into the game. They looked very, very dangerous when they started to do that, and only for incredible defence out wide. At times, mm-hmm. they were literally a fingernail away, an Irish fingernail away from getting a hands free and an offload into those. So their ability to play, and I think when they analyse that as a group of coaches, they'll be like, okay, well, we can actually play a bit more, and if they play a bit more with the power they have it's going a very to dangerous a very prospect. very dangerous prospect um i genuinely think they're going to be in the final um i just think with the injuries that france have um if they end up playing them you know i think they're they're finalists for me they're that good and i just think that rassi obviously like andy he has you know he has that group really, really proud. And they won't panic. No, not at all. And you can see after like yeah. how deadpan Jack Nienberg is after yeah. and he's very clear like, you know, yeah. They but, did it in 2019, yeah, yeah. were beaten by New Zealand, yeah. went all the way. Yeah. Like they laughed at that question they were asked mm. after the game, can you still go all the way? Yeah, yeah. it's interesting the different uh, mental, it's not even a tactic, but uh, you know, when Andy's asked a question, you know, they're focused on the next job. But in terms of media asking them questions, uh, South Africa, the way that they navigate, I think is really, really interesting mm-hmm. as well on that because I've done it before. Um, yeah, on your point, point as well, 11 points on the from the tee or 11 points on um, missing, but also we counted about, I think I mentioned before, you know, on any other day they would yes. have scored those four tries. Yeah. There's 20 points mm. when you think about it, which uh-huh. just shows how... Uh, fierce for the killing of momentum the Irish defences yeah and their ability it's such to ex- fine margins yeah oh, at that level it's tiny tiny yeah. tiny tiny margins and it was such a brutally physical game you know but credit to both sides there were no cards shown there was mm-hmm. they didn't go to the TMO at any point it just shows how disciplined and controlled both sides are yeah it was very much it was a fair fight start to finish yeah. and they they accepted that and you can even see how um, you know the mutual respect after the games you know how um, you know how see Khaleesi speaks after you know uh, how Johnny speaks after there's a clearly a very high mutual respect there between and the players and you had a monster second row yeah <laughs> so I, I just think that that's um, you know they're two teams that realise how good each other are but also how good the op- how good of an opposition each other are too and I thought I was sorry to jump in I thought it was uh, why it was such an important game for the World Cup in general because how wonderful for kids to see you can play a game like that and not get cards yeah. You can, um, you know, incredible sportsmanship and the, the, the loss that they took with grace, you know, and, and then even Ireland as a team, like they won with grace as well. Yeah. Um, just all of it around it was that in itself was just such a wonderful thing to celebrate in general. Yeah. So, um, yeah, credit to both teams on their day. If they were to pitch up against each other next week, Johnny, 
Uh, I still back Ireland. I back Ireland um, all the time. I just think it's it's different uh, at the moment and great teams win ugly and, and when they don't play their best. And that's that's that was a case in point on uh, Saturday evening. There was a game for the ages and we are certainly not finished talking about it yet. But we'll look at the other results. Um, Italy produced a second half comeback to beat Uruguay on Wednesday night. That was their second win of the tournament. It finished 38-17. Emphatic win for the hosts on Thursday. France racked up 96 points against Namibia. 96-0 is what that finished. Argentina are still on track to make the quarterfinals. They beat Samoa on Friday night. That game finished 19-10. Highly entertainment and dramatic game in Pool C on Saturday. Heartbreak for Portugal. Portugal just at the end. That game finished in a draw 18-18. Owen Farrell was back for England. They dispatched Chile 71-0. Probably one of the most impressive performances from England under Steve Borthwick. Um, And Scotland did what they needed to against Tonga to keep their World Cup hopes alive. And that finished 45-17. And Wales were very comfortable winners against Australia last night. And for the first time ever, Australia Mm. have not made it past the pool stages. That game finished 47. So if we briefly touch on France, um, I suppose it really was a statement performance by them on Thursday. Yeah, um, look, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be hard, hard to beat. Um, But, you know, I do think that the injuries that they've 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 suffered are really going to Mm -hmm. to to hurt them. You know, DuPont is he is the best player in the world. Um, He plays on cheat mode every game he plays. And uh, like for us, it's it's similar for us losing Johnny. And we've all spoken about this over the last kind of six to eight weeks, that if we can keep Johnny fit, we've we've a chance. It's probably you know it's probably even bigger for France because he is their talisman and he is just an exceptional um, talent so that's going to be hard um, and they've already lost Antimac so that's going to be difficult for, for, for them to manage um, but I do hope for the sake of the competition that you know everyone wants to see DuPont w- w- play wants, wants to see him yeah. you know we can get him back and hopefully he can feature in the later rounds they'll be doing everything they can to get him back but I do think is it a possibility to see him for the quarterfinals or well you remember Harry Nordicke wore the kind of uh, <laughs> face mask when, Phantom you know, of the Opera yeah, exactly yeah. so you know we might see something like that who knows they, um, they might be know. not as thick these yeah. days yeah. Yeah. yeah so there is a there is there is a chance and whatever can be done will be done yeah none imagine. of us want to see DuPont mm. out of the World Cup do you think France have the capability to keep on winning without him oh though this next game will be interesting but I uh, Losing himself and Intermec is a huge loss. Obviously, the two key game managers. Um, I think they can still do it. Like France's depth is, you know, gives a, a chance for, you know, the, the other guys to step up. But um, both of them out, it obviously just it, it changes yeah. a lot. It changes the X factor of their tactic that they have. Changes, um, you know, that nuance and that only he can do. Yeah. for any team for, for a team like France so uh, yeah next game will be interesting um, If we look at Wales now Warren Gatlin has always said Wales are a momentum team and they certainly have momentum it was an outstanding performance by them last night Yeah it was um, it, as well as a kind of a mixture of kind of I suppose implosion by the Australians yes. um, they probably started to chase it a bit too much and then they just couldn't handle it at all Um 
for me it was like watching a different sport nearly um, compared to what it was the night before but that side of the draw has the opportunity to you know you have the opportunity to build momentum you look at England uh, Wales for me are going to win that group and I don't think they're the best team in that group I think Fiji are um, Wales were lucky to get past Fiji um, but Wales are a tough side to play against they're big they're physical they defend well um, and they've got quality players so anyone who plays against them it's going to be difficult mm-hmm. it is going to be difficult um, and they can perform at World Cups they can they, they yeah. just have that knack um, but you know the form of that we won't know how good a performance that was last night until they play again because mm-hmm. of the way Australia yeah. performed. Yeah, um, that was the first time Australia haven't got out of their pool game in the history of the World Cup. What now for them? Yeah, it's, um, oh, I'm feeling for the guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Ellen Alarato, who was the usual captain as well, he was injured before the campaign. They obviously lost Hooper and um, they haven't got Quay Cooper either and a number of other guys who were out Um for no reason at all, actually. I'm not sure why they mm. went selected. But um, in terms of that team themselves, I genuinely think that as um, the inflection of the game in general, overall, there's always going to be a team or two that are going to have to hit rock bottom mm. for, for yeah. in terms of um, change management on anything, you know, whether it's a development of a new global competition where regional comps are aligned, domestic comps and all that stuff, Reg 9 and Reg 9 sorted and those sorts of things. There's always going to be one or two teams, traditional teams, that unfortunately will have to be the ones that suffer the brunt of it. Um, But in terms of Australia, as you mentioned, for a number of reasons, um, mental and physical, um, they obviously weren't up to standard for a World Cup and to the... I suppose the legacy of of what Australia rugby is all about, and Australia as a union is really important to to the game globally. So I'm feeling for the guys. I mean, yeah. I mean, hey, I've been part of a traditional <laughs> team that has literally hit rock bottom, and um, the best thing about that is that there's only one way to go. But um, at the same time, I just just hope and pray that they're you know but you, like last November you thought that was the start of their upward trajectory because it finished 13-10 against Ireland yeah. in November and then it's just capitulated and, since you know regardless of you know anyone's personal opinions of of, of Eddie Jones and, and what he's done it has been a case of anything that can go wrong has gone has wrong. gone wrong you know Will Skelton in his suit yesterday yeah. you see him like what what difference would he have made yesterday mm-hmm. just one person like he has been you know Leinster's torn over the yeah. last couple of years with what he's done in La Rochelle his leadership ability um and you look at Eddie Jones in the post-match press conference, he's a shadow of himself. Um, yeah. mm. And he's kind of toned the line, you know, and he's trying, but you can hear the quiver in his voice when he says, you know, this is, even though it's going to be some of their worst moments of their career, it's their best learning opportunity. I think he could have managed that and he'll admit that a bit better by having a bit more experience mm-hmm. uh, littered throughout the squad when he picked it. But that's the road they went down, unfortunately. And, and it, they have... They really have unravelled, mm-hmm. um, and it is as a powerhouse of, um, you know, two-time winner, a powerhouse of the game. It's 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 you know it's it's difficult to see, and they're facing in the old for us. They're facing a Lions tour in two in two years. We want Lions tours to be really competitive. It's a huge 
not just commercial, but everything. It's a huge yeah. identity. And you just hope that in the next two years, they mm-hmm. really do get back on track. They've also got the next World Cup as well. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. it's also at a, a place in the country where it's probably the fourth sport. You've got mm. your NFL first, um, AFL, and even the... Um, Wallaroos have made mm. their sport number three almost, I yeah. think, in the country, and then rugby. So there's that challenge as well as a national government body to make sure that they mm. can build on for the next pinnacle. Yeah. Well, this World Cup, next up for Ireland, we have Scotland. What impressed you about their win over the weekend? They'll believe that they have a fighting chance to get out of this group. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was impressed by their ability to execute space. I think Finn Russell had a really good game. Um, but also, on the other hand, you know, Tonga gave him time yeah. to do what he does best. Which South Africa so that's kind of, yeah. Yes, exactly. And which is something that there's no way Ireland will, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's not in the DNA for Ireland to let um, mm. teams be their best. So I think, you know, some of the threats, obviously, he's, he's probably the number one. And um, if you take guys like him out and then their weapons in the back three and then and, 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 and in the back row as well. Um, so how do they nullify Finn Russell's I think impact? you go. I think you go after a kind of line speed, uh, being able to fill the field um, defensively is very important. Um, and just building kind of, um, you know, uh, building good line speed um, and showing them pictures where forcing them either back inside, like what happened against South Africa, or forcing them to kick the ball. I think Sam's already mentioned about our back three and our pendulum work in terms of how the, they work in that 13-2 system, forcing them to kick. Like there wasn't very many, if any, bouncing balls the other night. So I think we can manage that. We'll manage mm-hmm. the air very well. Um, but we have to take away our time and space on the ball. Yeah. There's been a few clips where they probably, their work off the ball, I think, from a Scottish pers- uh, Scottish perspective and a team that wants to play with, with isn't where it needs to be to execute that. They actually had opportunities uh, against Scotland to execute, but guys out wide aren't in that space. Um, they probably don't have... They have incredible athletes in the back three, uh, you know, and Van der Merve is, mm. is that. But is is his work off the ball as as good as Mac Hansen's? Probably not. And that doesn't get him enough involvement for me. So, um, yeah, it's about kind of eating up their time and space um, and showing them a full line and forcing um, yeah. forcing Russell back into the pocket or back inside. And that's that's ultimately where he doesn't want to go. You know, so that's what you have to force them to do. Oh, it's all very interesting. Well, Ireland will be focused on beating Scotland to top Pool B and we'll have a lot more in-depth chat about that next week. My thanks to Johnny and to Senny. We'll be back on House of Rugby next week to look ahead to Ireland's Pool B fixture against Scotland on House of Rugby with thanks to Heineken. Until then, slonga full. Sports Joe presents House of Rugby together with Heineken. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie.